Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. The advocates can help you if you've been injured in an automobile, motorcycle, pedestrian, or even a dog bite accident. For additional information on other types of cases that the advocates handle, you can always visit MontanaAdvocates.com. You can chat with an experienced attorney with no upfront out-of-pocket expense. Visit online or call 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. Psychedelic flow, I'm the dope and the antidote. Laid down the street from the package store, what you know? Going back and forth, in and out, moving lateral. Tools like mechanics, taking women for collateral. Put her on the saddle with a paddle and an Adderall. Just trying to straighten it out like Lattimore. Old time Mary, you are unemployed. I buy my girl a building with the front. Definitely one of my favorite hip-hop songs the last couple years. Well, two chains for you here on ESPN Radio. Song reminds me of The Shop, one of my favorite shows, LeBron James Special. Missed anything, any, missed anything in the first hour of the show today. We've been sort of going in and out of our conversation about the NBA. Also talking some Grizz tennis and just, you know, some other tidbits about the wide world of sports. You can find it all in the Nuanas Now podcast. We also talked about co- head coaching longevity, which is a, a key theme in what's coming up here. You can always find it, Nuanas Now podcast, presented proudly by The Advocates as well as Sports Bet Montana. Grizz Nation's favorite outfitter is the M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. And now the M Store has a brand new location in downtown Missoula. You can come check out the new storefront located on the corner of Higgins and Broadway. The M Store in Missoula has been your Grizz gear headquarters for more than 10 years, offering some of the most original University of Montana gear you'll find anywhere in the Garden City. Next time you're downtown, swing in. Come by the M Store today and wear what the Grizz wear, or you can shop online, MontanaMStore.com. A fun conversation with one of my favorite guys from earlier today. What's up, everybody? Nuana's now. Happy Tuesday. Hope you're having a phenomenal start to your week. Coulter Nuana's coming to you right now from Studio 49, and we got some 
new equipment down here at the Gallagher Business Building. Justin Angle, a business professor at the University of Montana, joining us here on Nuanas Now. This stuff's cool, man. You guys got, like, fancy equipment. You're, like, almost a radio guy. Almost a radio guy. Uh, almost a podcaster. Oh, that's, you're certainly a podcaster. I am almost a lot of things. <laughs> and, you know, I will say, I think I might be a radio guy. My show is now on Montana Public Radio. I, I so, love that. Yeah. I and mean, you're on Nuanas Now every other week. We're colleagues, man. <laughs> colleagues. So, yeah, we got these fancy new low-profile mics. They kind of, or mic stands they uh anyway an upgrade to the studio so um yeah if you happen to be on the third floor of the gallagher business building take a look into studio 49 and see the setup on the table because um it's pretty sweet well we'll start there because it actually is a pretty interesting analysis because you are a professor an academic i am a journalist a writer by profession but of all of the things in modern media that have changed and shifted and in certain ways eroded the the most traditional medium that remains so strong and maybe stronger than ever is audio right yeah because yeah. of the creation of on-demand radio which mm-hmm. is what we call now podcasting and so it's just so funny that this is how we sort of met and sort of got involved with each other because what was maybe the, the ancient past is now the wave of the future yeah i mean it's still the same modality For right sure. it's just packaged in a different way and i think there is something about the spoken word and personal connection through storytelling that mm-hmm. is really compelling and enduring is sort of part of who we are as a species so whether that's on demand or over the airwaves or however you get it i mean there is as an aside like covid disrupted higher education and you know and secondary education in, in a ton of ways and the research is all showing that online is a poor substitute for in-person education and that's what we're experiencing in our classrooms it is so refreshing now to be back in the classroom Um, i've been back all year but until just a few weeks ago we were all in masks and now we have those removed and it's just like everybody is sort of engaging at a different level it's pretty awesome it's so awesome and from my role specifically when it came to press conferences yeah the way my voice sounds when you're in a big room, when you have a mask on, no one could understand. I repeated myself probably 75% of yeah. the questions I would ask because people couldn't read my lips and mm-hmm. stuff. It's crazy. There's also been a couple athletes that we've covered that were a little hard of hearing. Sure. And with the masks on, bru- just brutal. Like, oh, they, yeah. they have no ability. I, I can't even believe that these guys, there's a couple kids that were football players at Montana State. And talk about a testament to concentration and focus. For them to be able to learn anything in that environment is crazy. Yeah, I say the same for my classrooms. I mean, yeah. students, like for me, reading the room is always important. I for try sure. to kind of tailor my energy and the content of what we do to how the room's doing. And, you know, you just get such little signal with the masks. We all know this. We felt it. But the consequences of it, I think we're sort of starting to come to grips with as we emerge and hopefully continue this trend of emerging from COVID. We'll see. I'm going to knock on the wooden table here. <laughs> for sure. Uh, for sure. My, emphasize that. my five-year-old nephew, he got to go to school for the first time last couple weeks without masks. Wow. And last time I see him, saw him, he's like, Uncle Coco, my teacher is really pretty. I was like, that's <laughs> great. I'm glad that you get to see How her. old is your nephew? He's five. Yeah. So what, like? 25% of his life has been right. in a mask. That's right. More than that. It's That's crazy. Right. Yeah, you know, it's totally crazy. So hopefully we are uh, back out here uh, on the other side. Let's talk some uh, Final Four because that is the uh, the news of the day. And uh, we always talk about sort of the most marketable of, of spins. And I'm not implying any sort of conspiracy, but right now, like, coming out of COVID... It seems as if the most prevalent storylines are dominating the day in a variety of different mm-hmm. sports. You know, the Los Angeles Rams may be not as big of a story as like a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers, but right, Tom Brady right. got his Super Bowl during COVID. LeBron James got his championship during COVID. I think there's actually a direct correlation there. I think that if you give the most supremely focused athletes 
a moment in time when they have to perform without extraneous circumstances. They're going to perform at their top level. But now here we are with one of the institutions of all of college basketball and one of the great and most revered coaches in all of American sport yep. in Mike Krzyzewski in the Final Four. And oh, by the way, Mike Krzyzewski lost his final home game of his career to his fiercest rival in North Carolina, and now he gets one more Duke-North Carolina in the Final Four. We speak in hyperbole a lot, but th- I mean, in terms of ratings and draw, this has to be the biggest Duke-North Carolina of Mike Krzyzewski's 42 years at the helm. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, so it's scripted. The folks at the NC2A tournament have got to be just sort of licking their chops. Because like this- then you got Villanova and Kansas on the other side. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly. talking like four of the, what, eight most popular basketball programs in the country? And, and given the crazy of some of the early rounds sure. St. Peter's and just the upsets all around the place and so many people were kind of pulling from, for Gonzaga feeling like they were going to make it over the top and of course they didn't um, but it kind of you know just to sort of draw out a business analogy on that Coulter you know look at the effect of the pandemic and the what businesses have performed best it's the rich have gotten richer for sure right like amazon's market cap has doubled apple's market cap has doubled like all these big firms with these big resources and a ton of just kind of ability to innovate and pivot and hire the best people pay them the most it's just the resources that these companies have have had have transformed you know have allowed them to transform themselves during the pandemic and you could say the same for the big the big teams in sports, the big professional sure. franchises, yep. the big colleges, those are the places with resources and brand yep. power. It's like when, when the world goes sideways, they're going to come out on top. Well, that's the other thing when you look at the NCAA tournament field. I think that most people that, when it gets to this time of year, they're just having fun. They're just picking a bracket. You know, sure. they, they like the double-digit seed. They don't really consider, like, the in-depth financial ramifications of all of oh, this. Yeah. But when I looked at the bracket this year, I thought, wow, that is such a full display of how much progress and how much power the Power Five conferences have. Yeah. Because no longer are the 11 seeds that are playing play-in games to get into the tournament the uh, St. Bonaventures and George Masons of the world. Yeah. It's, you know, Michigan and Iowa State and Miami and, you know, these teams that are huge budgets. But then on the contrasting side of that, just to bring it around to make sure that we're not just completely doomsdaying and saying that that, the Power Five is just going to buy everything for all time, even though they are. St. Uh, <laughs> Peter's has, I, I think that they said, one of the 18 smallest budgets yeah. in all of college basketball. Mm-hmm. St. Peter's has such a low budget that they once had the rim fall off <laughs> of in their gym and had to cancel the game. They once had a game canceled from a leaky roof that they didn't have somebody to come oh fix. I mean, you're talking like completely a different universe than what Duke and North Carolina play in. Yeah, I mean, it is the proverbial, that's why we play the game sort of right, thing. Right. But, I mean, you're right. Like, these, this sort of consolidation of power in, into these conferences and these tippy-top schools, it's no accident that why, why that's happened. And we tell ourselves these stories about how the underdogs can make it through and parody and all of that stuff. But it's really, you know, a pretty rare thing. And that's why we all celebrate the St. Peter's of the world. But... You know, the, the power is consolidating at the top more and more and more with every passing year. Let's talk about the this, the the overall exposure of this, because on, on one side, you have St. Peter's, mm-hmm. who I believe they had 1,100 Twitter followers at the beginning of the tournament. Now they have like 40,000. Oh, yeah. Oh, their, yeah. their bookstore, I think, did $20,000 worth of business that first round. They sold out of all of the shirts that they had. 
<laughs> and so they're like scrambling. But these guys, they're so low budget. When they walk into the stadium, they're just wearing blue Adidas sweatshirts. They don't sure. even they don't even have logos on. Yeah, yeah. Like even I'm wearing my Skyline Sports logo shirt. At least I can even get a logo You're on. You're better for, kitted than those guys. I mean, it's like twelve bucks. <laughs> they don't even have twelve bucks. It's amazing. Uh, so I mean, what do you think this can do for a small university? Well, I mean, it does a lot in the, in the immediate term, right? That additional revenue from just the brand exposure, whether people want to buy this T-shirt or, or whatever. Um, it does a lot for the individual athletes. They start to develop their personal brands, the coach for sure. Um, as far as an enduring benefit to the school, you know, it's only transformative if it uh, helps the school attract more students and maybe more tuition and enrollment dollars, um, or if it becomes a place where, you know, kind of mid-tier recruits want to go. Yeah. When I say mid-tier, because nobody's going to be like, oh, I was going to Duke, but I'm going to rip up that that letter of intent and move over to St. Peter's. Nobody's going to really do that. But if they can start picking off more recruits, I mean, they could become the, the premier team in their conference. And, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it has the potential to be enduring. question is, you know, how how do they translate that into performance on the court next season? Nuanas now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. That's exactly where I wanted to take this thing then is for a, a great amount of time, particularly since the, the advent and then expansion of the NCAA tournament in mm-hmm. the early 1970s and then, the, of course, the great runs by the UCLA teams that dominated and then you know the, the epic championship in 1979, Magic Johnson versus Larry Bird, all the way up until the, probably the late 1980s, I would say, college basketball was the dominant basketball in America yeah. by a yeah. lot, by a lot. I mean, the... the NBA Finals was not even shown on live television, I think, until the mid-'80s. Yeah. And Patrick Ewing, even though he went on to play 15 Hall of Fame years for the New York Knicks, was more famous in college than he was Mm -hmm. in in the pros. It was Michael Jordan's complete rise that that sort of changed this. But part of the great allure of college basketball was the characters, both from a coach and a player perspective. No one would have gotten to know Patrick Ewing like they did and watch him play in three Final Fours in four years now. Because Patrick Ewing would play 30 games and then just be the be number gone. one overall pick be gone. in the yep. draft. And that's what I worry about, too, is how do you how do you maintain this stuff, regardless if you're St. Peter's or Miami or Duke? It just seems like the the best way that this branding and this this accentuation of, of your exposure could benefit you is if you had a rerun or a sequel, right? Yeah. Who knows if – I mean, St. St. Peter's, excuse me, is a great example. Shaleen Holloway is almost certainly gone. He's almost certainly going to go to Seton Hall. There's one character gone. Some of the other guys are going to graduate, probably not go to the NBA. But then you also, you've seen this with, like, Duke. You used to have to watch, get to or have to, depending on which side of the coin you're on, <laughs> guys like Christian Leitner and Greg Shire and all these guys that were in college, which what seemed like an eternity. A lifetime. And now even Coach K has one-and-done guys. So what do you think of that, just sort of the, the way it is sort of difficult from a marketing and exposure standpoint to maintain this stuff? Because it seems as if it's just a renew. It's just it's a, it's a whole new fresh landscape each and every single year. Yeah, so it, it creates a lot of new incentives, right? And you see the the North Car- I'm sorry, the North Carolinas, the Villanovas, the Dukes, the all those sort of premier franchises with with long term coaches have been able to adapt their system. Those brands operate in, in a tier in the marketplace where they're able to get the premier talent consistently, right? But they don't have that talent for as long. So in some ways, that creates a system where the branding of power aggregates to the coaches, right? If a coach stays around, that's the brand of the team. Right. And it, it, it becomes more enduring than the players because the players all of a sudden are transient. They just fill in the blanks right. every year. Right. Now, it becomes certainly like 
probably harder to, as a coach, to create an enduring system of play, uh, like a brand around your style of play, like it's, you know, the amoeba defense or the swarming full court style or whatever it was, the Loyola Marymount running gun style. I mean, so so it's probably harder given that your your talent is turning over such more so much more rapidly sure. to build a system. In many ways, I mean, credit to these coaches to be able, the recruiting piece is one thing, they're getting the best talent, but to be able to take that talent and spin up a product that could be very different year to year, there's a lot of adaptability that these coaches have had to put into play. So I think the branding power goes to the coaches, but they're they're only the ones that can sort of play by these new rules. This, a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications, it's the overlay between business and sports. Justin Angle joining us here on Nuanas now. And this is to, to sort of take it back a little bit, but th- this is maybe a little tangential, but part of the, the difficulty that the NBA had in breaking through to mainstream popularity yep. had to do with race. Mm-hmm. So much of the college stars of the 80s and early 90s broke down those barriers. The Fab Five at Michigan and UNLV in the late 80s and early 1990s, those teams were mostly black and played incredibly exciting styles and sort of uh, opened the door for people around the country to sort of uh, absorb it and and accept that sort of basketball. Then you also have the the marketing uh, magic, of lack, lack of a better word, of Magic Johnson and Michael oh, yeah. Jordan and guys oh, yeah. like that. But... I listened to a fascinating analysis by Jalen Rose, who played on those Michigan teams. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how Mike Krzyzewski and Duke and the concept of Duke, they were so hated resoundingly because of all the things that we always talk about, the the stringent nature of it, the elitist oh, you know, yeah. prep school. All the privilege, you know, all the, of that. Exactly. These guys are the preppy, privileged kids. It's just like a high school movie, right? These are the guys that wear their suits mm-hmm. to school. school ties or whatever Exactly. Yeah. And they, you know, they're in the yacht club and all this stuff. But as Jalen Rose said, they were also widely hated in black America because Duke derailed UNLV. They derailed yeah. Michigan. Yeah. They were the they teams were the that stopper. were beating these teams. And so I thought that was uh, very fascinating. But what do you think of this dynamic? Because Mike Krzyzewski had probably the most tried and true identity of his program of any coach of the modern era. Yeah. And he maintained it for a full probably 35 years. Mm-hmm. And then one moment he thought to himself, wow, I'm either going to get completely passed by and never have the sort of success I once had, or I can change. And he went completely different and became the guy. He became John Calipari. He started recruiting all of the lottery picks to come play at Duke. And he's such a phenomenal coach that then he also gets them to not just play, but play together. And they still win at a Duke-like level. It's an incredible rebrand when you really think about it. Yeah, I mean, it sort of reminds me of the famous quote that the only person that could ever hold Michael Jordan under 20 points was Dean Smith. (laughs) That's right, right, that's right. Uh, Because, you know, that was a system. And so, yeah, I mean, I think to my point before, like the ability of somebody who's had such amazing success at the highest level to all of a sudden completely pivot the style of play and adapt to a new reality. I mean, I, I think that requires, the you know, that puts Coach Krzyzewski in, in the realm of the conversation with the greats like the Tom Brady's and the Michael Jordan's sure. and the other athletes or coaches who have been able to just completely adapt, even though what they've been doing, even, even before maybe the rest of the world realizes they have to. I mean, right. that's the key thing, that these people are operating at such a tip of the spear. That's right. They're on top of the world, but they realize even as they're on top of the world that, like, I got to change to stay here. It's so amazing because Roy Williams, when he was at North Carolina, mm-hmm. he and Mike Krzyzewski basically had the exact same moment where they decided they needed to do something different. But Roy Williams went the complete opposite way. He yeah. said, I'm not going to recruit 
the one-and-dones, which from the branding perspective of North Carolina versus Duke, it would actually be much more applicable because they were Probably. doing similar things. Again, the 90s and early 2000s, North Carolina was, was sort of on the forefront of that. And uh, so then Roy Williams has his, you know, team of fifth-year seniors and wins the national championship then retires and says, I'm good. I don't want to play uh, this game anymore. But in, in terms of coaches as institutions in general, like Coach K is, is an institution. He's a college mm-hmm. basketball institution. Absolutely. That's always been a part of college hoops. But now you wonder if we're going to see that again because it seems as if it used to be if you had built any sort of equity at all, then you have such a long leash. Now it's almost as if you have success – then you set the bar. I mean, look at Gonzaga, for example. They have been to the Sweet 16 seven years in a row. They've been to three out of the last four Final Fours, and people are talking about them as a flop because they got beaten in the Sweet 16 right. this year right. because Mark Few set the bar so high. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your own bar eats you alive. So, But I guess from just sort of a marketing branding perspective, do you feel like having a coach that is an institution, is an advantage as an athletic department, as a university? Well, you know, that's that's a big question. There's a lot of layers to it. I mean, I think it's, an ins- it's, it's a benefit as an institution if it attracts talent and other people that want to buy into the brand. Like other, uh, regard, not just student-athletes, right? Student-athletes, fans, other students that want to go to the university. I mean, Mike Krzyzewski is a great example exactly. of that because, there, yes. I mean, there's there's seriously, I mean, there was thousands of people, thousands of kids camping out to get tickets to that last game. They started camping in November. Yeah, exactly. So if you have, like, I don't know what the college basketball or football, the college equivalent to the, to the Bill Belichick would be, mm-hmm. if you have a coach like a Bill Belichick who's, amazing at the the doing of coaching football right but he's not a person that's going to cultivate a brand and a community and tell stories that other people want to buy into fans aren't going to watch the Patriots weren't going to the Patriots games during the, the the peak years of the Patriots because of what Bill Belichick was telling them right there was no brand story coming from Belichick maybe for Boston people but that, that's about it so I, I think if you can have a coach like a coach K or a Dean Smith or you know and, and you can see it with Bobby Knight like he he kind of yeah. had a bit of a narrative and this edge that people wanted to buy into then we saw the ugly side of that and it, sure. it failed quickly right as a brand that just completely eroded yep. so I think it can be a benefit the other thing too you know and I'm not privy to these conversations at all, but you could imagine um, when you have a coach, and this happened with Bobby Knight, who is so powerful at an institution of higher learning that that coach can disrupt the operations of the university. Oh, for sure. Bobby Knight was more powerful than the president of Indiana, which is a crazy situation Exactly, and so given all the perverse incentives there, I think a coach that is the highest paid player or the highest paid employee in a state, which often happens. Like Nick Saban is in Alabama, Exactly. Um, you have to have a uniquely qualified person to play that role. There's not many people that I think are up to the challenge of doing that in a way that's ethical and responsible. Well, and we see it now, too, because there is so much money specifically stemming from football and TV that you can just start over. Like Frank Martin got let go at South Carolina the other day. They were 18 and 13 yeah. this year. That's not like some crazy abysmal record. That's a winning record. But they were in the final four or five years ago. Back, I think 2017 or maybe 2018, so four or five years ago. And Frank Martin let go. But that's just one of many, many. So I, I guess, what do you think of that dynamic, the fact that there is so much money that it makes it so there's this revolving door? Is that healthy or unhealthy? Because it seems like you, because you have resources, you can get rid of guys that have had unprecedented success uh, on your sideline. Yeah, I mean, I don't know so much... If if the if the 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 fact that there's more money in the system now creates a different you know a shorter runway in general for court for coaches 
you know, I would say that that part of it is, you know, the the wins and losses on the on the court or field, um, the sort of athletes you're able to recruit. You know, maybe if if the coach you're talking about there has has a better presence in the community, is doing other things to not only win games but also attract energy and buy in to the South Carolina brand, then they might get a longer runway. You know, it's it, it's a hard thing to predict. I don't know if just having more money in the system, having more schools out there that can buy coaches away. Um, necessarily changes the, the the management dynamics that university presidents or athletic directors face, but it, it's certainly disruptive. A business angle here on Nuanas Now. Justin Angle joining us here from Studio 49 down on the University of Montana campus. Justin, a professor down here at UM. And uh, I think that it, it comes full circle with the ties to football because someone asked me the other day, who do you think is the next Gonzaga? Hmm. And I, I told them no one because yeah. one of the biggest advantages Gonzaga has is they are in the West – at a school that doesn't have football, and they're in what by, uh, uh, you know, proportional standards is a huge metropolitan area. Spokane is only about three-quarters of a million people in the metro, but that makes it what, like the fourth largest northwestern it's city? It's the biggest city around. Yeah, yeah I mean, you got to go to Seattle or Salt Lake. You're talking, you're talking Portland and Seattle are the only ones that are yeah. definitively bigger, and then it's Boise and Spokane. Other than that, we're just living in rural America out here in the, in the northwest, so... There's there's a place in time and, and some different things that happen. You know, Spokane's population boom helped Gonzaga, um, just as Boise's population boom helped Boise State football. But I, I just I wonder. I, I think because the Power Five has so much money streaming from football, it makes it so that they can be more impatient when it comes to all other things. Mm-hmm. But they also can poach yeah. when it comes to all other things. Like San Francisco University of San Francisco has had a good basketball team the last couple of years. They've lost two young, talented coaches to the Power Five because the money is just so much yep. greater. Right? Yep. And so you you wonder, if you can get to the point where you're humming along and you're Gonzaga and you can pay Mark Few $6 million a year, now you can keep Mark Few. But I just don't know how that's sustainable almost anywhere else. Yeah, I think the Gonzaga story is pretty unique. I mean, it's hard to kind of create it. I can't even create a short list on one hand right. of other schools that you could see. Uh, emulating that model. Like they and, took the Big East model of the late 70s and 1980s, yeah, but those exactly. guys all worked together. Mm-hmm. Gonzaga did it by themselves. Yeah, I mean, you could equate it, I guess, to maybe a Syracuse. Although Syracuse right. is like a much bigger university, much closer to a population center in, in, in New York City. Um, yeah, Mark View is, is, is interesting. Like he kind of, yeah, he didn't really originate the Gonzaga trajectory of success, but For he sure. certainly sustained it. And the you know, the question is like, how long can they keep that up without breaking through? Right? Does the program, does the intensity of of sort of fandom for that program, the faith in Mark View, because it's the expectations game sure. y- you mentioned earlier, does that endure? Do people want to continue to buy into Gonzaga? The underdog story is certainly over, right? They're no longer no the question. underdog. I mean, they can kind of always paint that picture because it's a small market and a smaller school, but eventually, you know, they're going to have to win something big in order for uh, to folks to stay on the wagon, at least folks outside of Spokane. Well, I mean, Gonzaga is the only team in the West that can buy UCLA to come to their stadium. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, Arizona will go play at Gonzaga. Arizona's not going to go play anywhere else in the West Coast unless it's a a conference game where they're required to go on the road. So, you know, they do have... Uh, a certain element of power. You're you're an East Coast guy. Mm-hmm. You, sh- you should watch the 30 for 30 Requiem for the Big East. It's all oh, about, I've seen it. It's yeah, fantastic. It's fantastic. People forget, like, there was not all this conference stuff it, 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 pretty recently. As, as recent as 40 years ago, yeah. most teams were playing independently. Like, you watch some of these Providence games, 
and you literally have like the friar from the school is like the oh, ref. Yeah. You oh, know? yeah. Like but the Rick Patino heyday and all that. For yeah. sure. But then they, they figured out a way to collaborate. And instead of playing in their, their small school, little Catholic school gyms, let's go to Madison Square sure. Garden. Let's go here. And then the 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 coalescence and the the, the simultaneous rise of ESPN mm-hmm. taking those games. That's where it all just launched in the stratosphere. Yeah, they, they figured out a way to put together a compelling product and tell stories around that. I mean, great brands come from great products, and Big East sort of story was one that people wanted to buy into. Plus, they had ESPN as the local broadcaster trying to, you know, just, just sort of grab up as many eyeballs as possible. It's a great story. Last question for you, then. Uh, what do you think will have a higher rating share? Duke, North Carolina, or Duke if they beat North Carolina in the championship game? And then I guess secondarily, the funniest part about this whole story is it seems like this this villain making a Cinderella run to complete this, yeah. this storybook ending to a wildly... Uh, what do you even want to say? It's not even criticized or scrutinized because I think everybody respects Duke. It's just yeah. like, yeah. it's just drawn in the sand. You either love him or you hate him. That's about it. Yeah, I mean, people love Darth Vader. That's <laughs> true. But it's but also, though, the one part of the, the, the speculative uh, future that's not being talked about is North Carolina could just ruin this whole thing. Oh, yeah. If North quickly. Carolina just knocks Duke out, what... I mean, talk about a fan base that would be insufferable. They could hold that over Duke for all time. <laughs> yeah, Coach K is taken off the board, and <laughs> North Carolina gets bragging rights. So that's, yeah, that's a good recruiting pitch, right? They can sort of lock up anybody that's on the fence between the two institutions. Well, what makes a great rivalry more than this, though? This will be the 100th time that Duke and North Carolina have played since Mike Krzyzewski took over in 1980. Yeah. Duke has won 50 North Carolina's won 49. Wow. <laughs> what? Like, what What a rivalry. Yeah. Coach K could have the one-game lead if he wins this mm-hmm. one, or it's just dead 50-50 at the end. I mean, it's just sort of sit back as a fan, all you fans out there that just, just want your home team to win so badly. The rivalries are only fun if you win half of the time. That's right. right. If, you, if you're on a giant win streak... It's just short. It's like cocaine, man. It's short-term fun. <laughs> exactly right. A business angle with Justin Engel down here at the University of Montana Business School. Anything else? That's all I got. The cocaine line probably got me canceled. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> now ESPN Radio. Treasure State Stars. Back after this. Keep it right here. 1029 FM, ESPN Missoula. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen. Do it. Screams from the Of all the funny uh, memes and social media posts, in the post uh, Will Smith 
slapping Chris Rock. <laughs> Moment in time that happened at the Academy Awards. One of the ones that made me laugh the hardest was, what's Kanye going to do at the Grammys now? <laughs> little Kanye West for you here on your Tuesday. Hope you're having a phenomenal start to your week. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. You can always stream the show on our station website, 1029ESPN.com. You can always get a hold of us here at the studio, be a part of the show. Questions, comments, concerns, you want to call in, you want to text in, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. And all guests will join us via the Rankish Brothers RV phone line. Let's dive into our Treasure State Stars for the week. Some of the best individual performances by Montanans or, or athletes with ties to Montana. It's presented by Parkside Credit Union. Parkside Credit Union, one of the best places in western Montana to get a loan because they love to say yes. Treasure State star number one, a guy we mentioned yesterday, but worth mentioning again, Whitefish product, Jake Sanderson, currently a sophomore hockey player at University of North Dakota. Well, not anymore. He is headed to the Ottawa Senators. He was a top draft pick recently, and he just signed an entry-level contract with the Senators. So congratulations to him. Very cool to have a young man from the state of Montana go to the NHL. I believe he's the first one to get drafted in the NHL and uh, sign a contract with the Ottawa Senators. So pretty cool. Our Treasure State start number two. A uh, young man who will join us tomorrow as part of our ESPN roundtable, Gustav Thielgard. He is a freshman phenom tennis player at the University of Montana. He is undefeated so far this year. He is a two-time Big Sky Conference Tennis Player of the Week on the men's side, including this week. And he's got Montana off to an 11-1 start, including 3-0 in Big Sky Conference play. So tennis going really good uh, at both Montana and Montana State right now. We'll have Jason Brown, head coach for the Grizz Tennis Team, plus Gustav Thielgard in studio tomorrow, 5 o'clock. We're also going to hear on Friday from... Trey Morris, who's the head coach for the Montana State tennis team. I'll be broadcasting from Bozeman on Friday. A couple different reasons. I need to go get my car in Butte. <laughs> so hopefully that is in the equation. They also have a little bit of a football scrimmage on Saturday, so I'm going to go check that out, spring football. Uh, by the way, Andrew Houghton, our producer here at ESPN Missoula, he'll be down at Grizz Spring Ball tomorrow, so he'll have some interview stuff uh, out of Grizz Spring Ball, namely the quarterbacks. Because uh, they're going to do a little group media uh, availability. So it'll be fun to catch up with them. So a lot of spring ball coverage coming from both Montana and Montana State here uh, the next couple weeks. Um, but Trey Morris from Montana State will, will join us uh, later on this week as well. And we're actually going to be doing the show from the tennis facility at, in Bozeman. So I'll be watching the match because they play NAU, a big match between Montana State and NAU. And that'll have repercussions on both the MSU and the UM side. So that'll be fun. Trevor State star number three for the week. I got a duo of Montana State track athletes, and it's not Duncan Hamilton and Lucy Corbett, who have been sort of the darlings of track in the Big Sky Conference, period, really, uh, during the indoor season and just over the last calendar year or so. Both of them qualified for the U.S. Olympic trials and multiple Big Sky championships, national meet appearances. But this week couple more MSU track standouts. Alana Carter, who's been on this show uh, relatively recently after the Big Sky Indoor Championships, and Drake Schneider, who was also on the show after the indoors. Uh, Alana, a Helena native, she was the Women's Big Sky Conference Track Athlete of the Week. She had three strong showings in the three sprint races that she ran at the Al Manuel Northwest Invite 
uh, in Missoula this last weekend. Carter ran 13.66 seconds in the 100-meter hurdles, which improved on her uh, personal best and the second best in program history. She also took third in the 200 meters with a lifetime best of 25.05 seconds, and she was a member of the first place 4x100-meter relay team that ran 46.6 to set a school record. And uh, she also had a long jump of 19 feet, 6.25 inches, which was a which was the fourth-best mark in MSU history. So impressive marks across the board for Elena Carter, a junior from Sentinel at Montana, or from uh, Capital, excuse me, Helena Capital, that is, um, during the first outdoor meet of the season. And then on the men's side, Drake Schneider is the men's track athlete of the week. He had a pair of first-place finishes at that same meet here in Missoula. Schneider ran 21.31 in the 200 meters. That's the third best in program history. He's not even really a 200-meter runner, but showing off his chops as a sprinter. And he also ran a personal best, 46.63 in the 400 meters. His uh, 400 time ranks 23rd in the NCAA this season. His specialty is the long hurdles, the 300-meter hurdles. So if he's running like that without the hurdles, that's a harbinger for good things because uh, it means he's improving his top-end speed. So now if he can add the hurdles into it, maybe a little bit of a delayed but anticipated and necessary peaking for a guy that uh, he's he's definitely a regional contender and, and is going to flirt with national marks in the, in the long hurdles. So uh, he's definitely one of the better guys in the Big Sky Conference. Treasure State star number four. How about the YMCA? Just all of the people involved down there. The YMCA Riverbank run is back for its 50th year. So congratulations to them. A great milestone anniversary. Very cool. One of the favorite events of the spring. Sort of a a, a welcome to spring fun run. And uh, yeah, there's definitely some very competitive elements to it. But it's for everybody. I know so many people that aren't runners at all. They like to participate in the Riverbank run. So they'll have an in-person race this year, which is great as well. They also have a virtual option if you're interested. But the in-person race will take place April 30th. So sometime next month in April, we'll have some... Some folks from the YMCA back in. Uh, race director Carrie McHugh, she joins us perennially basically now. So uh, we'll probably have her in studio. So we'll learn a little bit more about it. But it's always an awesome event. More than 2,000 people usually participate in it. You can run the 1 mile, the 5K, or the 10K. Uh, or you could earn bragging rights by running all three in what the Riverbank Runs calls their trifecta. So crazy people. You can run a 10K, a 5K, and a mile. Or you could just run one. That sounds better to me. But, you know, whatever floats your boat. Uh, but the race will start this year in Midtown at the YMCA. And uh, that's a different starting area than normal. It usually starts downtown, uh, but there's some construction going on, yada, yada, yada. So more details on the Riverbank run coming, but a 50th anniversary for one of uh, Missoula's iconic events, so very cool. And Treasure State star number five, Brooklyn Wisegram. She is a senior for the Grizz softball team. She's also a Missoula Sentinel product, and she hit a second-inning grand slam to help Montana to a Big Sky Conference victory, their first of the year, over Portland State. She hit that grand slam in the second inning. And then in the eighth, with the game tied 4-4, four to four, Cammie Sellers hits the go-ahead home run. But Brooklyn Wisegram, the 11th grand slam in Grizz softball history, a Missoula Sentinel product who's a senior for the Grizz softball team. So uh, cool for her, cool for uh, local kids showing out for the uh, Grizz softball team. So Charger State Stars highlighting the best individual performances from across the state of Montana each week. Here on Nuanas Now, we'll continue, I guess, finish our top storylines in the NBA. On the other side, keep it right here, ESPN Radio. 
If you're ever injured in an accident and you're worried about if a lawyer is going to cost you too much money, the advocates, they will provide help for you. No out-of-pocket costs until your case is settled. You pass the stress of your accident off to the advocates. That helps you focus on getting better. To find out how the advocates can help you, you can call them free of charge, 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. Mine is now on ESPN Radio. Welcome back. Nuana's Now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Thanks for hanging out with us here on a Tuesday. Coulter Nuanez coming to you from the Northwest Motorsports Studio. Missed anything in today's show? You can always find it on the Nuana's Now podcast. We talked about coaching legacies in college basketball. What coaches have the opportunity to become an institution like Mike Krzyzewski has been at Duke? How about the top five storylines in the NBA? We're going to finish those with our, my top two here in just a minute but we uh, talked about that in segment uh, in hour number one excuse me and also talked some grizz tennis hour number two justin angle a business angle talking all the way around the final four marketing a rematch between duke and north carolina villanova and kansas blue bloods what's it mean for ratings what's it mean for marketing what's it mean for the institutions invo- uh, uh, involved and what sort of marketing advantage, what sort of publicity advantage is it to have a guy like Mike Krzyzewski, who's almost a national brand, an icon? What sort of advantage is that for an athletic department? We also had our Treasure State stars highlighting some of the best performances from around the Treasure State. I uh, I added one more before this got printed out, so I was remiss to not add this. So we'll, we'll quickly mention this, but we're also efforting this young man to be on the show. We actually had one extra Treasure State star. It was Evan Todd from the University of Montana track team he had a throw of 229 feet two inches which was i believe the second farthest in the history of montana track it was his pr by more than 10 feet and his throw currently ranks first in the big sky fifth in the ncaa west region and if he would have thrown that at last year's conference championship meet that would have been the winning mark so a great throw by evan todd a kalispell native who's throwing at the university of montana and he was named the Big Sky Conference Men's Field Athlete of the Week. So we're efforting him to get him on the show sometime next week. So stay tuned for that, but I always love the, uh, the Montana kids thriving. It's time now for our eagle, excuse me, it's time now for our final word. <laughs> I got ahead of myself on my script here. Time for the final word presented by Eagle Satellite. Have you heard about the great prices on TV and internet Eagle Satellite's offering right now? They have TV packages starting at $57.99 a month with free installation and internet for just 50 bucks a month. Eagle Satellite, locally owned and operated as a family business that has been serving Montana for more than 40 years. Are my last two, my top two storylines in the NBA right now, sort of, a, they have a little bit of uh, synchronicity, a little bit to do with each other. My number two was that the predominant conference right now 
is the Eastern Conference. You can say, okay, I'm jumping the gun here. It's This has only been one year. But when I look at the West, yes, the two most winning teams in the West are the two most winning teams in the NBA. There's only two 50-win teams so far. The Phoenix Suns have 61 wins. I do think they are a legitimate title, title contender, a legitimately very good team. The Memphis Grizzlies, the other team, with 53 wins. And it's been a great story to watch the emergence of John ja, ja Morant. The Warriors have uh, lost some steam lately. They've lost four out of six, including three in a row. But they're sort of flirting there. I do think they're a legit contender as well. But, but while I think that Dallas and Utah and Denver and Minnesota, I think all those teams are playoff teams, and they're good teams. I don't think any of them are really true title contenders. I think that, I guess, you know, I don't know. I guess that I really only think there's probably six or seven teams in the league that are true title contenders. But for the first time in a really long time, I think there's more teams in the East than there are in the West. Part of that's because my number one storyline is Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks, and how Giannis is for sure in his second or third year as the best player in the world. Maybe you could even argue his third or fourth year as the best player in the world. The Milwaukee Bucks are the defending NBA champions, and I know they're they're tied for second right now in the East, but I just think that they are, to me, the frontrunner to win the title, yet it's sort of a microcosm of how we operate societally that we always need something new and shiny and interesting to to spurn us on. And uh, I don't know. I, I think that there's a lot more to this. We're up against it. So we'll be back at it tomorrow. Maybe we'll finish this discussion. But I, I do think the fact that the East is as good as it's been and Giannis is leading the way. Now, it's an interesting storyline that's maybe not being played up uh, by the national pundits as much as maybe I think it should. Thanks for listening to Nuanas Now. Tomorrow... Got some great guests for you. We'll hear from Chad Germer. He's the offensive line coach for the Grizz football team as our spring coverage continues. We're also going to hear for some, from some Grizz tennis standouts and Alex Eshelman as well. We'll see you tomorrow. Nuanas now. Sports Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Get Commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.